Nothing dries you up <laughs> faster than a janky toolbox. <laughs> New drop. <laughs> Welcome to the Infernal Mafia. That's Kayla. And that's Sarah. Today we're talking about balls. Injecting balls. It's about <laughs> time. It's about time to pass some of the onus back on the men. Oh, we do we're... this from time to time just to <laughs> keep it even, Steven. Um, and just, uh, some new legislation happening in, uh, South Carolina. Yeah. South Carolina. South Carolina. Come on and raise up. Do you, do you remember that song? Do you know what song? No. Is? No. Okay. Never mind. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So tell me about injecting protein into the balls. Well, so this is a study on mice, which I guess are the same as humans. But <laughs> exactly uh, the same. Yeah. Uh, someone has done a study on injecting protein into testes, and this could treat male infertility. Uh, I think this is treating infertility as far as low sperm counts. And so researchers at Seoul National University, which is in South Korea, <laughs> Uh, developed a way to the liver. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Nanoparticles loaded with certain proteins directly into the testicles. Uh, and they did this test in mice. But they were previously infertile mice. And then they were able to father pups. Little mice pups. Aww. At a similar rate to the unaffected fertile mice. <laughs> the fertile mice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's promising for male infertility. Yeah. It's Yeah. I, I, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say it's a protein called <laughs> Penny or it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's P N I one. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. The pen one. Yeah. It's like pen 15. <laughs> yeah. I know. That's I love it. Yeah. <laughs> So it's just <laughs> the barrier reef. Uh, sorry, the bear, the protein, the barrier reef, <laughs> the protein, the barrier reef to your to your swimmers is happening. I mean, yeah. really, that's kind of what this is. The protein rebuilds right. uh, this barrier that is. It's the blood testes barrier. So this repairs the barrier, which makes the mice fertile. Yeah, I was reading a little bit. It sounded like it's kind of like that uh, idea. Like you were saying, it rebuilds the barrier that protects the sperm. So they, I don't know, so they can reach maturity. They don't get like harmed by toxins and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. 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 Yeah. So I don't quite know if these mice were made infertile. I think they were. I think they made the mice infertile. So that they could do the testing on them. Is that the same problem, though, that human men have? <laughs> or are this they just is fixing a chicken or the egg they question? Created? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do we focus on fixing on the solution, or do we focus on the cause? 
I don't know. I mean, usually it's the solution when it comes to medicine. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. When it comes to pharmaceutical companies, definitely. Mm -hmm. So, go ahead. Oh, it's just they also said that sperm count and quality are dropping in Western men. I saw that. See, I wanted to share that um, line from the article because I thought it was so funny that it said, there's only so much fish oil, nuts, and tomatoes a man can eat to try to improve it. So uh, Tomatoes? Yeah, tomatoes have that, what is it, lycosine? I don't know. Some kind of tomatoes are an anti-inflammatory, which are, you know, reduces inflammation is bad for balls and everything, really. Tomatoes. Yeah, inflammation is bad for everything. Lycopene? Well, yeah. Lyco something. Um, I have a, an interesting theory. We won't, we don't have to talk about it now, but, um. No, I want to know. (laughs) On, no, just like the, everything I talked about in the last episode about like having unconscious trauma Mm -hmm. and it's been like there's an absolute um there's like absolute data now that shows like people who hold trauma in their body like one of the symptoms is high inflammation and I've always wondered or I've began to wonder if maybe that's why I had all these issues with inflammation because we I mean I've shared on here before that that was a big part of my infertility yeah you had what did you have? The drip? What was the drip you had? <laughs> the, the drip. <laughs> um, um, intravenous immunoglobulin therapy. IVIG. Okay. Yeah. Which is like super controversial. All, all the doctors have like different opinions about it. So it's just one of those like damned if you do, damned if you don't. I don't know. Did it help me get pregnant and maintain pregnancy? I don't know. I'll never know. In your mind, man. In my mind, it it did. did, But but who actually knows, you know? Who knows? I don't Um, know. I don't know. So uh, the one thing, uh, did you read the comments on that (laughs) article? No, I usually don't. Yeah, you kind of stay away from the comments on articles that having to do with infertility. But some of them are pretty funny. Oh, someone said the exact same thing I said. Yeah, someone said oh, so about, they're yeah. engineering mice lacking a key right. protein and then found that injecting them with that protein in the early Fixed stages. It. <laughs> yeah, and very he was insightful. like very insightful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But then this guy, Spud, by the way, is first name. Let's face it, not many guys are going to want to have kids that much. And I have news for you, Spud. There's a lot of guys that want to have kids that much. You're clearly not infertile. Yeah, I was going to say, you know Spud has way too many kids and doesn't pay for them. And his name is Spud. So What a Spud. (laughs) Yeah, Bill says, I certainly don't want kids that bad. I'll get a boat instead. All right, you just row that boat on out to sea and stay there, Bill. Bill's probably a gay man. (laughs) <laughs> i was Could thinking be. about this like gay men who like two gay men imagine it two white gay men mm-hmm. they probably have a lot of money because yeah. they're two statistically two men 
Like having, they probably have really good jobs. Both of them make the like high income and they probably don't have kids. <laughs> so think, think of all the extra like things. Think, think of all the boats you could have. Well, that's true. Like it always seems, do you watch Below Deck? Remember, there's, we don't watch any of the same shows. No, we don't. I love Below Deck. <laughs> but it always seems there's a lot of gay guys as the primary. The primary is the person who's like paying for most of it. Hmm. And they get the best room. Because they can. Yeah. And good on them. You go enjoy your gay cruise. Just I take love me it. with you. Yeah. Yeah. Take me. <laughs> Um, okay, so that was, that's, you know, promising. And other than like the, like you said, if it's, the, if, if we know the reason the protein is missing in the first place, maybe we can address that without having to inject something into their balls. But whatever, it's an interesting idea. I like it. You know what? Anytime the guys might need to get shots, I'm for it. I'm here for <laughs> it. Yeah. Like, it just, you know, there's very little uh, space t- for us to hold men complaining about, like, a fertility treatment. This is one shot in the balls. I get that it's in the balls, but, like, think of all the shots we had to take. I bet it doesn't even hurt. I bet it doesn't. What's even in the balls? I mean, how much do balls really feel? feel? <laughs> you know I, mean? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> They're just inconsequential, really. (laughs) Um, Okay. So the article that I picked for today is, we don't have to talk too much about it because it's not anything that's like too effective yet, but I like to keep my, keep track of these. I like to keep tabs on these bills. Because they are, um, so, okay, basically the South Carolina Senate passed a heartbeat bill. So we've talked about this before. Um, it, I don't know if we even want to get into this because then there's always going to be someone who's like, you didn't do enough to talk about it. And then there's people who say you didn't do enough. And then there's people who say, how dare you even use the A word on an infertility podcast? And I'm talking about abortion come at me, whatever. Um, The point, like the reason, yeah, we don't have to talk about all the, when people think about these, this is, okay, sorry, let me back up. This is what I want to say. These bills that, heartbeat bills, personhood bills, all of these laws that are being um, introduced in state legislations, we think of them mostly as being like related strictly to abortion and abortion rights and while that is true and whether you're pro-life or pro-choice doesn't matter in this argument because I'm coming at it from um, through the lens of the infertility community and um, for example like a a heartbeat bill could make the use of um, using drugs like I, I can't even think of the name of the one that I I had to use when I had a medical abortion Oh, don't freak I out. Don't it was what... when I had a miscarriage, but they call it like a medical abortion. Um, I don't remember. Or methotrexate, which yes. is the shot they give you um, if you have an ectopic. These types of bills make um, access to those 
being able to use those more difficult. So that can affect the infertility community. And personhood laws, which we've talked about, obviously affects us because that's talking about, you know, like body or like autonomy as a person over an embryo. And a lot of people really don't like that. So I just wanted to bring it up as just put it on your radar. Like if you don't live in South Carolina, cool. But if you do, definitely pay attention to it and just find out what your laws are in your state. Because these things are like sneaky. They just slip in and then the next thing you know, it becomes a law and you and you weren't paying attention. <laughs> and you can't do infertility treatments Anything about anymore. It. Or f- fertility treatments, I guess. Yeah, or access is, you know, the rules change or the access is different or what. It's just, just stay informed is the main takeaway here. You know? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I wanted to end, Sarah, with this uh, article about this really cool fertility doctor in Australia, of all places. Mm -hmm. Australia has all the cool things. They do. They got kangaroos. They've got koalas. really big spiders. Cool accents. Have we talked about koalas and syphilis? Uh, oh, yes, we have. Okay. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> um, so this doctor is in, she's based out of Melbourne. Or how do they say it? Um, me, 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 I don't Melbourne? Melbourne. I thought I thought Australians say Melbourne in a different uh, Melbourne. Like they say it, say it different than than Americans say it. Um, Okay, so she has this. Okay, I found her on Instagram. She kind of looks. Uh, She her look reminds me of Nicole Kidman. Yes, it does. Lynn. Burmeister's face is inscrutable. <laughs> I say that wrong. <laughs> yeah, fertility queen Dr. Burmeister. That's who where who she is on Instagram. Um, okay, here's the story. She, I guess it's probably a small world among like fertility experts, maybe in, in Australia. I think there's only like, or maybe it's just in Melbourne. There were only like a few sort of powerhouse like clinics that did most of the work and Australians you can correct me if I'm wrong here this article is from the Sydney Morning Herald and it talks about how she worked for one of the big it's called Monash IVF I'm probably saying that wrong but anyway she worked there for like 17 years and then she left in 2017 and she wanted to go out on her own and start her own company And then her former employer, like, she got caught up in this lawsuit because they wanted, they basically wanted to keep her from competing with them. I'm sure there's more to it than that, but Mm -hmm. whatever. The point is, she won the lawsuit, I believe. And her whole idea was to set up this fertility clinic that's, like, super posh. It's like a spa experience. Ooh. And I, so this is quoted from her from this article. And then the second I read it, I was like, oh my God, you're so right. She said, the, IVN, the IVF industry is making patients feel like they are sick when they are not sick women. 
And I was just like, that is so true. Because we go, no, it's true. <laughs> That's true. We go, we go to these clinics. And like, I don't know, I, I don't know about you, but mine was in a hospital. So you're going to a place where all these sick people are when you're not sick. And so her whole idea was to sort of change the psychology around how you feel about yourself when you're having fertility treatments. So her uh, treatment center, or I don't know what you want to call it, but it's like super posh. Like everyone needs to go check it out online. Um, It's like, are you looking at the pictures? It looks like you're walking into a spa. (laughs) There's like pink stuff everywhere and pineapples and there's a cutout of George Clooney. (laughs) Yeah, it's random. Yeah, <laughs> I think she's a fan. <laughs> There's chandeliers. There, it just it looks like a much more invite inviting place. She said, she's her clinics are designed to ease the stress of fertility issues. When people look at pretty things, it does actually relax them. I just thought, you know, Ooh. that is true because I can remember many times sitting in my fertility clinic waiting for the doctor to come in looking around at all the equipment in there and going like that looks like it's from the 1970s i'm not sure i have a lot of faith this uh uh, these stirrups are like rusty i do you remember did i tell i do you remember my clinics set up do you remember me telling you about that yeah well i remember you said they provided uh uh, acupuncture and that right and massage maybe Mm -hmm. Oh, no. maybe it's someone else. My clinic of. where I did get pregnant, like, so the building does not necessarily make a difference, but well, of course <laughs> he not. Needs, of course he probably not. needs to move buildings, my doctor. But mm-hmm. it reminded me of my college that was across the street that uh, was in decay. Um, mm-hmm. Old building from the 60s or 70s. And I think there was asbestos, like, down the mm. hall and I went mm-hmm. into the room mm-hmm. for like retrieval and transfer and there's like a old TV mm. on a cart Mm-mm. and a Mm-mm. toolbox Mm-mm. like a straight up <laughs> red toolbox and like no uh, yeah no so it, it was like I went to someone's basement I would say <laughs> <laughs> it's like you went to someone's basement to get uh, the a eggs. couple of embryos popped up in yeah, yeah. or this was egg retrieval yes uh, yeah but, that's what I mean yeah. that doesn't inspire confidence but, if you don't feel comfortable in the space oh my my uh, high risk doctor his space was like a spa and they did have massage and acupuncture that's what you're oh, probably okay. thinking of. but his office yeah, yeah. I loved going to his office because mm-hmm. it was so pretty and like calming. Yeah. And exactly. This is my point. Like, even if you don't go as far as she has obviously gone, because this is like extreme. Like, I don't know if you would need to do this much, although I absolutely appreciate it. Do it. But, but just a few little touches would go a long way. If all, if any fertility doctors out there are listening, or let's be honest, it's probably not the doctor. It's like, the person at the front desk who spruces up the waiting room yeah i don't know take a take a nod from this doctor and like i don't know i like the it. more inviting it is the better you know 
Yeah, I like it. Do it. If I'm un- if I'm uncomfortable, my vagina clenches up so fast. So as it should be, right? <laughs> Nothing dries you up faster than a janky toolbox. <laughs> Not that that matters, you know, in that circumstance. New but... drop. <laughs> yeah. um the the only i was gonna say so she has the main site i think that that's got all the pink she calls it the pink palace yes and then she has the other site where she does the embryo transfers i think and it's all decked out in like green uh and she calls it the emerald city or something like that and it just looks so, it just, I love it. There's like all these velvet couches and gold and pineapples everywhere. And, you know, she walks around in her Louboutin shoes and she, yeah, she, I like it. She's I'm a like, fan. She's like the gal pal pack from Instagram. Yes. She even has a, uh, where the semen analysis happens, she calls it the man cave. I guess it's like more geared toward, she seems like she's thought of it all. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that room was one I never saw at that clinic, but I went to the one at KU Med. I went in there because I have to do everything. Right. And so we're doing this now. (laughs) It was okay. It was like a bathroom with a leather chair in it. Yeah, ugh. I, I mean, I you know me. I love a good jerk off room story, but they are sad. They're just as sad as you know, like the room where you go to get your ultrasound. To me, they're just yeah. They just feel so sterile, and so it's hard to relax in that type of space. Like what you need in that space are you know giant posters of playboy models or something. <laughs> take these men back to being 12 years old so that they can relax or come prepared and instead you instead you have like a crotchety old woman who hands you a cup and then just like closes the door behind you they're good and luck sir laughs. <laughs> right and then was it there was like someone we read a story of like the guy who got such a complex about when he left handing the sample off and like being self-conscious about like, was I in there too long? Was I in there not long enough? Like, <laughs> do they, are they, you know, like having this complex about how long it should take to give a sperm sample and that being some kind of reflection on his manliness. It's just rough guys. It's yeah. Rough. I mean, anyway. I guess at least we don't have to have an orgasm on demand. That's true. In a clinical that, setting. Right. Oh, just, can you imagine? I mean, I could do it, but <laughs> would it be fun? Be like, mm, okay, I'm good. Yeah. So if there's any Aussie listeners out there that this is your doctor or she was, I want to hear from you. I want to know if, like, I want to know what she's like. So it looks like, according to this article, she has brought helped bring more than 10,000 humans into the world. So that's a lot. That's a lot of human beings. It's a lot of humans. So <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to end with that one because I thought it was kind of fun. I like it. Okay. So <laughs> before we move on to out of the box, uh, real quickly, uh, if you're not part of our Facebook group, if you're new here, welcome. You can join our Facebook groups. We've got two of them, the Infertile Mafia and the Infertile Mafia Bosses and Babies, which is for um, 
after you do the stuff. It's for baby talk and pregnancy talk, whatever. You know what it is. Um, Hey, and if you're in the group and want to be a mod, we have one. (laughs) We could use more probably. Yeah. Send us an email at infertilemafia at gmail.com. Yes. And, uh, and we also have an Instagram. Yes. Infertile Mafia And we have podcast. a TikTok, but... Oh, yeah, you haven't said the name of it. Oh, it's just Infertile Mafia. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I there's no videos on there. I have an idea for a video, but... Okay. I haven't done it. I like it. That's so. all you, because I don't even have the app, so... <laughs> True. <laughs> um, of course, if uh, don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, all that stuff. That, that's, that would be really great if you could do that for us yeah so um, out of the box yeah out of the box out of have the you box. sorry i interrupted the song it's all right <laughs> have you um have have you been doing any hobbies um oh i thought we were going to talk about hair <laughs> oh hair hair we're talking about hair not like, hobbies hobbies what am I thinking do i have any hobbies in a pandemic I can't think of anything. A few. Oh, tell me, talk to me about your hair. I have a, oh, I have some, one thing I'm going to, I want to share about COVID pandemic hair. hair. COVID hair. Well, I mean, a lot of people have been cutting their own hair, but I mean, I've been doing that since like 2018. Really? Yeah. That's why my hair looks like this. Dude, no. <laughs> Your hair and looks I great. Thought, I thought it would be a good idea to do baby bangs in August uh-huh. or September. And yeah. I don't know if it was a great idea. <laughs> bangs are so much work. They are. That's why I've been on the side now. Yeah. They're just <laughs> they're just so high maintenance bangs. I, really I have gone through phases of my life where I really like the bangs because they cover my big forehead or whatever, but it's just not worth it. I don't think your forehead's big. Well, thanks. There's <laughs> some people with really big foreheads, but I wouldn't say you're one of them. Well, thank you, Sarah. <laughs> say it's more normal size. You know, my uh, yeah. self-conscious about my forehead. Um, average. <laughs> it's average do you think my forehead's big no because it looks about the same as yours mm, i don't know it just so, feels big to me but um i think they're fine have, <laughs> what, what have you been doing to your hair oh well um i have not tried to cut it myself that would be a complete disaster and i'm curious how you like went about doing that did you like watch a youtube video did you like what i mean i've seen videos on youtube and instagram but i just usually start cutting to see and what happens. I have an idea in mind, and then I just start cutting. How do you cut the back? <laughs> I just feel it. Oh, man. That's not, see, that would not go well for me. I just, I, like, hold it down, and then I cut. And I'm like, mm, feels pretty straight. <laughs> Are there any hairdressers in the, in the audience cringing <laughs> yeah. so hard right now? No, they're probably like, yeah, she's doing it right. <laughs> You just feel your way. Um, yeah, it's all about feeling. I have had one haircut in an entire year, just one, and it shows. Um, I think it's time finally. This my salon is back open again to get another one. But 
Um, so what I did, uh, I, I need a haircut so bad. Like it's, it's awful, but I feel like I'm in good company because a lot of people, it's just, you know, the self-care has gone, gone by the wayside to some degree. Um, so do you see this gray streak right here? Mm-mm. You don't? Oh, now I do. You're kind of. Yeah, I'm kind of covering it up. I like it. Yeah. So I have That's this, awesome. I have a lot of gray hair, but there's this one spot in the front that like it's a really tight, compact mm-hmm. spot that grows really gray. And so and normally when I go get it dyed or whatever, I just include that spot in there. But the last time I went, the one time I went over the summer, <laughs> I was like, you know what? I want you to leave the gray in. So she dyed everything. I mean, now in all of it, because it was the summer, like whatever. But I have this long, I call it my zebra stripe now. Yeah. Long gray stripe. So when it's down, it's like really, I kind of like it. I think it's kind of. I, I like it. It's kind of funky. I'm a fan. When so did I'm you just, start getting gray hair? Oh God. Like, I don't, I think I was in my late twenties, early thirties. So anyway, I, I really, I've been embracing, I'm like slowly embracing my gray hair. I really like the zebra stripe. I'm going to keep it around. So yeah, when I make my next appointment. Maybe you should grow it all out. I, I, I'm not ready for that. All right. We have Lisa Ransom on the podcast again today. She's a registered psychologist in Australia. And today she is offering, offering us some tips on sensory grounding. So here's Lisa. Hi, I'm Lisa, infertility counselor and psychologist, and this is a moment for your mental health. Today we are looking at sensory grounding, a subtype of mindfulness and a firm favorite of mine. Sensory grounding is a specific mindfulness act which can help with the management of overwhelming thoughts, increased levels of anxiety, or feelings of dissociation or disconnection. Dissociation being the feeling of detachment from our world, environment, and what is happening around us, most likely to occur when we are at heightened times of distress or anxiety. Sensory grounding taps into the five senses of sight, touch, hearing, smell, and taste to aid with calming, recentering, and bringing us back into our immediate environment and reduced association. Sensory grounding acts to bring us back to the here and now rather than being taken away to the past through memories or projected into the future through anxiety. Sensory grounding reconnects us with our here and now through labeling or identifying those things we can recognize in our immediate surroundings or environment through our sensory input. Sensory grounding is not prescriptive and it is flexible in its implementation to be able to work in and around what works best for you. There is no right or wrong way to engage in sensory grounding. Some ways you can engage in sensory grounding include asking yourself the following questions and taking the time and the space to answer them. What can I see? What can I hear? What can I touch or feel? What can I smell? What can I taste? 
You can deepen the engagement in sensory grounding by setting yourself small tasks or challenges to fulfill. For example, choosing a letter and identifying as many things as possible in your field of vision, starting with that letter. Picking a colour and searching for all the items in that colour. Or naming something that you can see from every letter of the alphabet. When we are talking about engaging in the sensory domain of touch, we are not talking only about what you can connect with with, the, with your hands, but how your clothes feel against your skin. Is there pressure on our feet as we walk? How does your body connect with the chair or the lounge you're sitting in? Can you feel the breeze against your skin? When we connect with hearing, we can ask ourselves the question, where is the sound coming from? Is it close to us? Or is it in the distance? What is the depth of sound we are engaging with or hearing? Connection with hearing can be incidental. The birds in the trees, the sound of traffic, or it can be purposeful, listening to your favourite song or band. Taste and smell can often be more challenging to engage with incidentally. However, they can be more purposeful in their actions. You could light a candle, burn essential oils or incense for smell. For taste, how about pulling out some of your favourite chocolate and savouring the taste, noticing the textural changes as it disintegrates and melts away in your mouth as you eat it slowly. You can further enhance or deepen your sensory grounding through the following stepped exercise. What are five things I can see? What are four things I can touch? What are three things I can hear? What are two things I can smell or taste? What is one great thing about me or one thing I'm thankful for in this moment? As you engage more with and in sensory grounding, you may find you are drawn to and connect more with one sense over another. If this is the case, go with that sense. It's okay to have a preferred sensory domain. Conversely, you may find one more triggering. Go gently with that sensory domain. Remember, sensory grounding can be taken with you anywhere engaged in with at any time, costs you nothing and does not take a rocket scientist to use. I encourage you to think and reflect, how can I use sensory grounding today? I'm Lisa and this has been a moment for your mental health. For more mental health tips and reflections, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Seeds for Hope. I just recently have heard of grounding. But really? I was not, sh- I didn't know what it was. I, I was not really aware of it either until I started, again, I go back to my trauma therapist, like who they're all about grounding. So if you're getting in a situation oh. where you're feeling really anxious or really activated um, emotionally, five things I can see. It takes, it's like enough time to take you out of that headspace and ground you into the present moment that you can kind of like just takes the edge off a little bit to help you. And I I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but I will have moments where, and I'm using this uh, because it's relevant to infertility, but like sitting in a doctor's office and almost zoning out because I'm feeling anxious. Like if they're talking Mm -hmm. to you or something, this could have been really useful to just in my mind quickly be like, okay, I'm, I can feel the chair underneath me. I can feel my feet inside my shoes. I can hear my oh. doctor talking. Like little things like that. Anything that like brings you back into you're in this space, you're okay, you're safe. Um, instead of like pulling you out into 
wherever your mind wants to take you. So yeah, usually when I'm like get overwhelmed, I think of either something that makes me happy, Mm -hmm. like Hawaii. Yeah, (laughs) that's a good one. (laughs) Or I'm like, I think of what the future night will be like after the thing that makes me anxious. Mm. Like it'll be over. Yeah. Yeah. Then I can go home. Right. (laughs) And not stress about this anymore. Yes. So thank you for those tips, Lisa. That was very helpful. And thank you guys for joining us today. Um, Once again, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Do all the things. We love you. We hope you have a great day. Thanks for joining. The Infertile Mafia. (sighs) Goodbye. sent us the epoch times epoch epoch i think it's epoch no i'm just kidding it's epoch the epoch times i love you <laughs> it's spelled epoch Pop. please please keep mispronouncing words <laughs>